Hello and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques Senior Digital Editor, Tristan Free, and in this episode, we'll be looking at recombinant antibodies, their history, and how the dawn of protein modelling techniques such as AlphaFold are impacting their development. To provide an insight into this field, I'll be speaking with Dr. Amy Sheng, Technical Account Manager at Sinobiological, who has a long history of working in antibody development. Amy, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Coming up, discover the use of artificial intelligence in antibody discovery. Nowadays, using deep learning, we can predict how the amino acid can affect the structure of the antibodies and the residue interactions. Find out how monoclonal antibodies have been utilized throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. So far, there have been five monoclonal antibody therapies received the emergency use authorization from FDA to treat the mild to moderate COVID-19. And how we may overcome challenges in their production and upscaling. So one solution is to use the naive library to avoid the lengthy time-consuming animal immunization or to wait for a patient to recover and then get the sequence. So... We've kind of discussed recombinant antibodies previously on the podcast, but firstly, Amy, could you give a brief explanation of what recombinant antibodies are and what they're used for? Um, sure. Recombinant antibodies are monoclonal antibodies produced by recombinant technologies. It involves obtaining the coding gene information of the antibody, mostly by sequencing the antibody-producing cells, cloning the genes into vector expressing in host cells and purification of the antibodies through chromatography. The advantages of recombinant antibodies are very obvious. They are scalable. We can produce 100 gram level of recombinant antibody in one batch. It is animal free. We can use it just as cells and serum free culture media. So the whole process, there is no animal product involved. It has fairly small batch-to-batch variation compared to the traditional monoclonal antibodies produced from hybridoma cells. And there is no need to mention that polyclonal antibody that each batch is totally different repertoire. The advantages make the recombinant antibodies widely used in many areas, such as in vitro diagnostics, treatment for cancer, HIV, SSV, and more. Excellent. And how were these antibodies first developed way back in the day? So talking about the development of recombinant antibody, we need to go back to the development of mono, traditional mono antibody. The old traditional mouse monoclonal antibody is from hybridoma cells generated from a fusion experiments of antibody producing B cells of immunized animal with immortal myeloma cells. So theoretically, you can grow these hybridoma cells forever and obtain endless monoclonal antibodies. However, there is always a gap between the theory and reality, so the hybridoma cells has its own limitations. Therefore, the technology of recombinant antibody emerged, and it can goes back to 1984 when Dr. Morrison and Dr. Newberger cloned the Ig fragments from the mouse hybridoma cells and expressed the antibody without hybridoma cells. So after that, scientists have expressed recombinant antibodies in various systems such as E. coli, yeast, mammalian cells, and phage, and etc. And since that initial development, how has recombinant antibody development progressed today? Yes. So 
when we talk about that, still would go to back to the very beginning of the monoclonal antibody, which it happens in 1975 when the first immortal hybridoma cells producing antibody against the sheep rat blood cells was generated. And since then, numerous cell lines from mouse, rat, and rabbit have established to produce the monoclonal antibodies. And still, a lot of them are still exert heavy influence on today's research. You can easily find in publications that a lot of scientists were using clones generated more than 30 years ago. So nevertheless, how good are the hybridoma technology? After less than a decade, thanks to sequencing and cloning, the recombinant technology emerged. Since then, the people would not be restricted to a certain cell line or isotype or species when it comes to antibody. Is there a reason why rabbits and rats have come into this development side of things? Why did research change from mice or start to include these species in their development processes? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So mice and rats and rabbits, even though they are all mammals, they have different kind of repertoire of the antibody mixture. So for example, when we talk about which antibody to develop or to use when it comes to applications such as immunohisto, um, sorry, immunohistochemistry, there is always preference to use rabbit monoclonal antibody over the mouse monoclonal antibody because the rabbit version would generate much less background. And also the rabbit antibody has a tendency to be able to bind to smaller targets, be able to target a region uh, hidden in the protein than the mouse monoclonal antibody. So there's always pros and cons on different species when it comes to monoclonal antibody. Perfect. And you mentioned then some of the new techniques, the hybridoma versus the monoclonal antibodies. What are some of the advantages of utilizing those more traditional sort of mouse, rat and rabbit generated monoclonal antibodies? Why do we still see them so prevalently in papers and research today? The advantages of using more traditional monoclonal antibodies developed from hybridomas, they are the first that they are well established. Since the history of the hybridoma is longer than the recombinant antibodies, there are a lot of fully established panel for in vitro diagnostic tests use the traditional clones. People just do not change because it would cost a lot of time and effort to modify the panel to optimize the experiment. Second is the expression system. Hybridoma is fairly stable and straightforward. When it comes to recombinant antibodies, there are lots of attributes, such as expression cell line, if it's expressed from eukaryotes or prokaryotes, or if it is post-translational modified or not. So all of them would affect the function of antibody, even though the sequences are exactly the same. But the traditional monoclonal antibody from the hybridoma is pretty straightforward. As long as they are from the same clone, they would very likely behave the same no matter what company provides them. Okay, so would you be going to use those recombinant antibodies more in very specialist or very specific applications and techniques as opposed to the monoclonal? Yes, they definitely dominate the different areas. When it comes to the flow cytometry in vitro diagnostic, I think the traditional clones dominate. But when it comes to therapeutics, the, definitely the recombinant antibody will take the most dominant role because the scalability, they can be produced in grams level without involving of the animal products. So currently, the industry would prefer to use recombinant antibodies for large-scale production for treatment stuff like that. 
Is there also a case that in the in terms of recombinant being used more for therapeutic side, is that, that they're more likely to be accepted when used actually in sort of living human tissue as opposed to the monoclonal being used in more the research methods and that side of things? Yes, for anything that goes into human, there are definitely there cannot be animal product involved. You cannot use a mouse and mono, uh, hybridoma cells and then culture in bovine serum, stuff like that. So definitely for anything that can, gets to, into human body for the clinical or preclinical research, well, people would prefer to use recombinant antibodies. Excellent. Which applications do these more traditional methods lead themselves to or lend themselves to more practically than others? Also thinking between that difference between the rat generated, the mouse generated and the rabbit generated as well. Are you talking about comparing the difference between the traditional monoclonal antibody or recombinant antibody? The recombinant, we can also graft the antibody and make it into like with a rabbit source, mouse source and human source. So from the species-wise, when it comes to recombinant antibody, it really does not matter that much. And the only thing to keep in mind is that when it for human injection or animal model study, it's better to stick with the model organism for the antibody. So if it's, we're going to inject an antibody into a monkey for a preclinical test, then we need to make recombinant antibody has a monkey FC. So that's something to keep in mind. But other than that, uh, for the recombinant antibody, there is no restriction to what species we can use. Actually, we can now we are able to produce a variety of antibody species, non-human species, including sheep, goat, rabbit, even fish. So, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And how have AI systems like AlphaFold sort of impacted the development of these recombinant antibodies? So an AI system has definitely opened another avenue for antibody development. So previously, we heavily depended on what will come out from immunization. And there is very limited space for optimization on the sequences. So nowadays, using deep learning, we can predict how the amino acid can affect the structure of the antibodies and the residue interactions. I myself have no computer minds or background, but you know, as a biologist, we always say, you can never predict biology. But now when I read the papers of AI systems, such as the deep app or app body builder, the logic is very straightforward and the results are very solid and convincing. So they start with the heavy and light chain sequences as input. Some may need the antigen information, but some may just skip that. Then antibody structures, particularly the variable regions, are modeled into and inter-residue geometries are predicted. Then mutations are introduced into model to predict how they would affect the structure and antibody-antigen interaction. In the end, with the help of high-throughput production and screening, the beneficial mutations can be realized and selected out to improve the binding affinity of antibodies. Currently, many mature platforms for antibody design have been made available and computation results can be out within one or two weeks. Plus the turnaround time for high throughput production for antibodies, we can obtain an optimized antibody within a month. So this drastically reduced the time and the cost for antibody engineering, especially when the virus is rapidly mutating and spreading. AI can help design cross-binding antibodies, and it can further learn and potentially predict the hidden pattern 
of the antigen, such as a virus, how it involved and design the antibody against a future virus. So in terms of helping for pandemic preparedness and new outbreaks that may occur, that kind of AI tools are going to be really, really valuable in that area. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And how have developments in antibody production and recombinant antibody production also assisted in our capability to update and create antibodies to adapt to these new and kind of evolving viruses? Yes, that I have to mention that I think the most astonishing applications of a recombinant antibody, I would have to say, is the defense to COVID-19. So, you know, nowadays there's just a lot of research about it. Many organizations collaborated to develop antibody therapeutics for the COVID-19. So far, there have been five monoclonal antibody therapies received emergency use authorization from FDA to treat the mild to moderate COVID-19. And there is a long list of them in different development stages prior to being approved. So in this case, the antibody design, they target the spike protein on the virus and often created by identifying the antibody-producing B cells from the recovered patients. So the researchers obtain the heavy and light chains information to make it into recombinant human antibodies. So the process has been fully developed and allow the researchers to develop neutralizing antibody drugs and allow the society to respond to this ever-mutating COVID virus with extremely high efficiency. So I think the pandemic and COVID has really driven forward a lot of research areas and made a lot of changes in different technologies and techniques. So what do you think is next on the horizon for antibody development? Do you think it's something, again, to stimulated by COVID-19 or do you think it will be in a different area? I think what COVID-19 has and will definitely stimulate the for antibody development. I would say the current production process for antibody generation from small-scale R&D to large manufacture has been well-established and optimized. And people can obtain antibody within 10 days with high of purity as long as sequences are known. However, there are still a lot of things needed to be done in the upstream and downstream of the antibody production. The question remaining for the upstream is that how we can obtain a good clones or sequences faster. So one solution is to use the naive library to avoid the lengthy time-consuming animal immunization or to wait for a patient to recover and then get the sequence. However, there are issues about how available are the libraries and how many good clones we can generate it with all these new targets. Another solution is that, as we mentioned, to use computation to predict the functions of the antibodies and obtain the novel sequence information from currently available data. And by high-throughput screening, to isolate a clone that works well in real life. Due to the data and experiment setting limitations, these two methods are currently just auxiliary. But for the downstream of the production, I mean the characterization of the antibodies, how do we obtain the data about the basic features of the antibodies, such as purity, stability, affinity, and specificity, or the pharmacokinetic features? 
uh, in various model systems faster and more systematically when we have like thousands or hundreds of candidates. How do we compare one antibody over another one for the same targets? Uh, for example, on the immune effector functions and signaling pathway effects. Furthermore, how do we characterize this antibody candidates in regarding in the in vivo systems? What's the toxicity? What's the therapeutic efficacy? So this all requires us to establish a more comprehensive platform for antibody characterization. This is also we are pursuing to expand our one-stop shop capacity. So if you could ask for one thing to help you pursue that one-stop shop capacity that and expand your applications, and it could be anything in the world that you could ask for, what would it be? I would want to, so if it's one thing, I would have to say maybe we could have an in vitro system to monitor the in vivo system to tell us how the antibody would localize and distribute in the in vivo system. So we will get a faster the data faster. We don't need to wait for the animal experiments to know how efficient the antibody works in regarding to um, target viral targets or to treat certain kind of cancers. Fantastic. Well, Amy, those are all of my questions for the podcast. Have you got any last points that you'd like to add? I would just say that recombinant antibody technology is definitely helping us a lot. It's important to currently days for research, for diagnostics, and for treatments. And there are still a lot of we can do with the help of computer or with the help of experiments. So definitely, I, I will put a lot of attention to the development and I have promised to a lot of development of the promising drug candidates. Fantastic. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to find more like them, you can check out the podcast section of our website over on www.biotinics.com or follow at CyTristan on Twitter for regular updates and threads on our latest episodes. Thank you for listening and goodbye.